Hello and welcome to this podcast brought to you by the Isle of Man Anti-Cancer Association. My name is Malcolm, I'm a retired consultant surgeon and throughout my career I had a particular interest in the care and treatment of cancer patients. Presently I am chairman of the Isle of Man Anti-Cancer Association. And I'm Sandy, the executive officer of the association and a cancer survivor. In this podcast we want to talk about the rationale behind cancer screening programmes. There are presently screening programmes on the island and in the UK for three different cancers, cervical, breast and bowel cancer. Individuals within certain age categories will receive invitations to attend for screening provided they are registered with a GP. A frequently asked question though is why screening programmes are not available for other tumours, especially prostate and lung cancer, both of which are common tumours and with lung cancer also having the highest mortality rate within any single tumour group. We know that detecting tumours at an early stage improves outcomes. Overall, five-year survival across all tumour groups is over 90% for stage 1 or early tumours, but falls to less than 50% for stage 4 or advanced tumours. Results from the three cancer screening programmes presently in place show that participants benefit from enhanced survival from the disease as the tumour is usually detected at a very early stage. We would strongly encourage everyone receiving an invitation to attend to attend for their screening. It would therefore seem logical also to extend these programmes to other common tumours. Let's just envisage just for a minute in broad terms what an ideal screening test for any health condition might look like. It should be simple, acceptable to individuals and healthcare professionals, painless, 100% accurate in either establishing a diagnosis or ruling it out, not associated with any side effects or complications and relatively inexpensive. Attaining all of these criteria can be very difficult for any screening programme. Take for example the breast screening programme which has been in place for over 20 years. The screening test involves having a mammogram, a single x-ray of each breast during which some people may experience some discomfort. The mammograms are subsequently examined by two very experienced radiologists who look for small changes in the pattern of the breast tissue shown in the x-ray which could indicate a developing tumour. For every 200 ladies screened, around 96% will receive a letter within 10 or so days informing them that their screening test did not reveal any abnormality. Wonderful news and what all ladies hope for. However, in about 8 of those 200 ladies, they will receive a letter recalling them for further tests because their mammogram was not entirely normal. Five or so of these 8 ladies will have cancer excluded after a clinical examination, further mammograms and an ultrasound, all relatively simple tests. However, the remaining three ladies will also be required to have to undergo a needle biopsy to establish a tissue diagnosis, with two of the ladies shown to have simple benign disease and only one showing a cancer diagnosis. Occasionally a lady will have to undergo surgery to exclude a cancer diagnosis. Ladies recalled for further tests obviously experience anxiety that they could have had cancer when only one in eight of those recalled will actually receive a cancer diagnosis. The three ladies who undergo a needle biopsy may occasionally experience some bleeding, discomfort or even a slight infection in the following few days. But the important thing to remember is that 199 of the 200 ladies 
will be shown not to have cancer, with the one lady diagnosed with a tumour having had that tumour diagnosed at an early stage of the disease than she would have had she not undergone screening and waited until she was aware that something was wrong. When the trials of the three existing cancer screening programmes were undertaken and, sh- and showed a significant improvement in outcomes in individuals taking part, the experts also determined that things like false positives, false negatives, potentially mixed, missed tumours, side effects and costs were within certain acceptable limits to allow the programmes to go ahead. Recently, a pilot screening programme for lung cancer has been undertaken with some promising initial results, but as there has been no demonstrable reduction in overall mortality, further refinement of the protocols may be required before it is taken further. For quite a while, there have been calls for the introduction of a screening programme for prostate cancer based around the PSA blood test. PSA stands for Prostate Specific Antigen. This is a protein produced by cells in the prostate, a gland at the base of the bladder in men. Ladies do not have a prostate gland and have no detectable PSA in their blood. The prostate gland in men enlarges with age, with a concomitant rise in PSA. PSA is often also elevated in men with prostate cancer, so it would seem to be a candidate marker for a screening programme in prostate cancer. Yes, when it was initially discovered, things looked very promising, particularly as it was a blood test and relatively cheap to do. However, studies have shown that other factors also increase its levels, such as infection in the gland known as prostatitis and following recent sexual intercourse. More concerning, though, is that one in seven men with prostate cancer have a normal PSA level, meaning that using it as a population screening test would result in upwards of 15% of men with the disease being missed and falsely reassured that all was well. Other issues arise out of the fact that around 80% of prostate cancer in older men grows so slowly that it will do them no harm in their lifetime. And also that, until fairly recently, the only reliable way of confirming or excluding prostate cancer was to do some needle biopsies of the gland, a procedure that can be associated with some unpleasant side effects in a small but significant number of individuals. The expert panel, looking at all the data, did not feel that it was a programme that merited introduction. What we would say is that if you have a family history of prostate cancer, particularly with one or two first-degree relatives, so your father or brothers, you should visit your GP to consider having a PSA test after a discussion about the potential side effects if further investigations are required. The good news is that there are other potential options in the pipeline involving other possible markers and an MRI scan of the prostate. So it seems highly likely that we will have more cancer screening programmes in place in the near future. A very exciting development, and one that is in the final stages of research, is a simple blood test that looks for fragments of the DNA uh, of various different tumour types. We know that fairly harmless tumour cells appear in the circulation in the very early stages of the disease, and these tests can can detect their presence. So it looks likely that a single screening test for a different number of tumours is not far off from being possible. Thank you for listening.